Welcome to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. I'm Dr. Glenn Kinkin, Senior Minister here at Centenary. My hope is that this podcast will give you some good news for your journey today. If you would turn with me in your Bible or your Bible app or the Pew Bible in front of you, whichever you have access to, turn with me to Luke chapter 15. We're going to be reading there for this morning's scripture lesson, starting with verses 1 through 3 and then verses 11 through 32. Let us hear now the words of the Lord. Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling, saying, This fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. So Jesus told this parable. There was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me my share of the property that will belong to me. So he divided his property among them. A few days later, the younger son gathered all that he had and traveled to a distant country. And there he squandered his property in desolate living. When he had spent everything, a severe famine took place throughout that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him to the fields to feed the pigs. He would have gladly filled himself with the pods that the pigs were eating, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired hands have bread enough and to spare? But here I am dying of hunger. I will get up and go to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired hands. So he set off and went to his father. But while he was still far off, his father said to him, or saw him, and he was filled with compassion. He ran to him and put his arms around him and kissed him. And the son said to the father, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servant, Quick, bring out a robe, the best one, and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet, and get the fatted calf and kill it. And let us eat and celebrate, for this son of mine which was dead and is alive again, he was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate Now his elder son was in the field, and when he came and approached the house, he heard the music and the dancing. He called out to one of the servants and said, what's going on? The servant replied, your brother has come, and your father has killed the fatted calf, because he's got him back safe and sound. Then the older brother began angry and refused to go in. His father came out and pleaded with him to come in. But he answered his father, listen, for all these years I have been working like a slave for you and have never disobeyed your command. And yet you have never given me even a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when the son of yours come back who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him. And the father said to him, son, you are always with me and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice Because this brother of yours was dead, he has come to life. He was lost, and he has been found. My friends, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me?
Well, Lord, as we gather to hear your word read and proclaimed, our hearts have already been tuned to you by prayer, by him, by affirmation. So may we clearly hear your words today. May our very lives be transformed so that we would leave this hour a changed people, not just hearers of your word, but doers of your word. In your son's holy name we pray, amen. Dr. Wallace Friday was the, at one point in his career, he was the director of the program ministries of the South Carolina Annual Conference. And when he was in that role, he wrote an article entitled Home, a Magic Word. This is what he had to say about home. He said, home is the place where we spend most of our time, even if a large part of it is sleeping. It's a place where mother kisses our bruises and binds up our wounds. Is a place where parents tired and worn by work and seeking rest come at the close of the day. It's a place where, love, where we love and seek to protect one another, even though at times we may disagree. It's a place where we seek to be understood even when the world sometimes misunderstands. It's a place where we can be ourselves free from the strain of pretense. See, he understood this idea of home. It's where we long to be, especially when we are far away from it, right? I mean, think about this. Think about sort of the idea of holiday travel. We all want to be home for the holidays. That's why there's the whole Christmas song about it. I'll be home for Christmas. Or think about AT&T's commercials from years ago. I mean, I'm dating myself with this. Reach out and touch someone. The whole idea of calling home to be near those you love, even if it's just by a landline. Or the reason why people take red-eye flights, just so they can get home sooner. And so if the season of Lent is specifically designed for us to focus on our relationship with God during 40 days and 40 nights, then today's text is specifically chosen to help us find our way home, our way back to God, to God's grace, a time to focus on the health, the strength, the nature of our relationship with the one who loves us most. The text in this section of scripture of Luke is being about being found when lost. I mean, it begins with Luke's observation that Jesus drew the most unlikeliest of crowds to him, sinners and tax collectors. He was real clear on that distinction. I mean, sinners, we know where they are, right? Ta tax collectors are even worse than sinners. So it's in welcoming these broken people that Jesus began to attract the attention of the Pharisees and scribes, you know, the religious intelligentsia, the Illuminati of the day, they got so frustrated about it that they were beginning to gossip about him. And it says they grumbled about him. They grumbled that he was welcoming these people in his midst, that he was sitting down and even breaking bread with, the, with these broken, despised undesirables. So the text records that in verse 3 it says, so he told them this parable. Now the text doesn't say who the audience was. Was the audience 
those at the table with him, the broken people, or was it the Pharisees and the Sadducees over here in the corner gossiping, or maybe it was both. But then if we started and we, stood, we read the whole chapter, verses 4 through 10, there are actually two other parables here. One is about the lost sheep where the shepherd goes out finding that one lost sheep and puts it on his shoulders and brings it back with happiness and joy in his heart. Or the woman who lost the coin, the coin of great value, and she tears her whole house apart, turns it upside down until she finds it and she rejoices because she's found this coin. Then the one that we read today, verses 11 through 32, the parable of the lost son. Sure, it's a familiar story. It's a story about hubris and loss, contrition and repentance, reconciliation and joy. There's a great temptation for us to look at that text and decide which character are we in the story today? Don't lose sight of that question. Something you can work on this week. Which character are you in the story? But as we take a long, honest, sobering look at our life, maybe what if this story begins to be different for us? It's focused on this idea of loss. Maybe it's a roadmap back home. A roadmap back to God during this Lenten season. A roadmap to the place where we are loved most. It's no accident that this parable is entitled The Lost. All three of those parables were entitled Lost because this was something that people would understand. This idea of being lost or losing things. It's about the audience that Jesus is preaching to. A world that is lost, that is distant from God. In fact, we disciples, followers of Christ, we have to decide which crowd with whom we are sitting. Are we sitting with the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes? Or are we sitting at the table with the broken people? We have to decide honestly if we've reached John Wesley's place of spiritual perfection, that one-to-one relationship with God, or is it more likely that we are like the prodigal in the story? where we have run far from home, squandering our birthright out of our own hubris, our own sense of self-importance. But no matter where we find ourselves, the beauty of this parable is it's wrapped up in verses 1 through 3. That image of Jesus sitting at the table with the sinners and the tax collectors. The broken parts of our world. It's in that moment that we begin to realize when we think about where we're sitting, who we're with, that we find ourselves sometimes in the far country. And if we find ourselves there, that there is a way back. We learn from this parable not only that fact, but we learn how that we can come home. And we learn the reward that we get that's just waiting for us when we walk in the doors. It's a moment for us to reflect and realize that there is hope for you and for me, yet no matter what road we have traveled in life thus far, there is hope for us that we can go home. Have you ever really just wanted to get home? Have you ever been traveling and you just wish the trip would end? 
Maybe it was for business or maybe it was that family vacation that everything seemed to go wrong, did and you just wanted to get home. About 16 years ago, I went to a planned giving conference put on by the United Methodist Church out in Phoenix, Arizona. It was in February. I mean, what a wonderful time to be in Arizona. I mean, because over here on the East Coast, it was cold. We were dealing with that cycle of wet and freezing rain and snowstorms and all this. And I got to go to Arizona. I mean, it was great. I mean, it was a nerd fest. I mean, we were talking about all kinds of things you know, financial and legal and all that. But it was a lot of fun. But I remember as we were packing up to get ready to take our trip back, it was going to be a simple trip. Phoenix to Dallas to Charlotte. I mean, it was going to be great. Four hours, we'd be home. It was wonderful, a great week. You know, I had little souvenirs to bring back the kids. It was going to be great. Went on the plane in Phoenix and they said, well, we're going to reroute you. There's, a, there's an ice storm over Dallas. I should have known right then, if there's an ice storm over Dallas, everything east of that is going to be a mess. Twelve hours later, after having gone from Phoenix to Detroit to Minneapolis, yes, we went that way to go that way, to Atlanta, finally to Charlotte. Because every time we landed, there was a new complication. I was just so glad to get home. See, the Lenten season is about realizing how far we are from home, about whether our relationship with God is the way we want it to be or do we have work to do. So we take this sort of self-examination. Maybe there's this moment of realization where we realize that we are not as close to God because we have run far away or we have neglected our relationship or we have taken actions which break the heart of God and separate us from God. We've created this chasm of separation. And so in a way, we've become sort of needing to find rock bottom, if you will. We need to come to realization that we are broken and flawed, that we are not the people that God wants us to be. But it's in that moment we come to terms with our own individual brokenness, where our words, our actions, our thoughts, they've injured ourselves maybe or they've injured others, or they've broken the heart of God. It's only in that moment that we realize our own brokenness, that we see that we are in the far country, not unlike the lost son. And that we cry out, I want to go home. I just want to get home. I'm tired of traveling. So when we find ourselves sitting at that table and listening to the Lord, listening to his parable and realize that we're sitting amongst other broken people just like us, we hear that it will be possible for us to go home. Not only do we want to go home, but there is a way. There's a way back into right relationship with God. See, the lost son's confession to himself that he had sinned against his father, sinned against heaven, it was this recognition that he had sinned against humanity, that he had sinned against God. Because remember when Jesus said, love your God with all your heart and all your might and love your neighbor as yourself, you can't break one vow without breaking the other. They're bound up together. So it's in confession that we begin to die to ourselves, that we put God and others first. And that when we do that, that we are raised into new life. And we allow ourselves to be yoked to Christ and Christ-like life. We find Christ's ways, and in those ways, we find a newness of life for ourselves. 
It's when we sit at the communion table, we pray that prayer of confession on page 12 in our hymnals, that we admit that we are in the far country, that we are far away from where God wants us to be. We confess our own brokenness, but we hear through that prayer, we hear the grace in Christ, that there is a way back, that Jesus is at the table with us to lead us home. And so we have our hearts set not only to come home, but now we know the way home. We begin walking the road and we wonder what it's going to be like when we get there. We wonder what that's like. And I think about every time I read this text and I think these words, what will it be like? I imagine when I walk in the door to my house. Now we have a beagle and she's loud. You've heard me talk about her. This dog is great. She is just like, she makes you feel loved instantly. You could be gone for 20 minutes to the grocery store, a week, two weeks of vacation. It doesn't matter. When you come in the door, that dog howls to high heaven. Tail wagging, running around. You would think that there was a pack of hounds in our house. And apparently, according to the girls, I am her favorite because she doesn't react as jubilously when they come home. But when I come home, it is as if the greatest thing has ever happened. I think it's because I feed her early. But anyway, I digress. But there's this sheer joy when I walk in the door from that dog. And I imagine that what happens in this parable, we see what it's like for God when we come home. Because remember, the father looked out far and he saw his son. And what did he do? He didn't look at his watch and go, well, it's about time. Instead, he ran to him. He threw his arms around him. He hugged him. He kissed him. He found a servant. He said, go get a robe. Matter of fact, get the best robe. Get a ring. Get some sandals. He's home. My friends, the same thing happens for you and me. When we realize that we have been in the far country and that we just want to go home, we realize that Christ has paved the path for us. When we come home, God runs to us, embraces us in heavenly arms, gives us a kiss, asks for the best robe, asks for the best sandals, the best for you and for me because we have come home. We are back with God just as God always wanted. Just as God always hoped just as God paved the way for us to come back. And the celebration begins at that instant that we walk in the door. The instant that God sees us coming that way, the celebration begins. So I don't know where you are on your journey of faith. Each of us are on the journey. Each of us are in different spots, but I don't know where you are. But maybe this morning you realized that you are in the far country that you are a long way from home, a long way from the life that God intended for you, a long way from home, a long way for the relationship that God really desires from each of us. And see, that's the same, that is the exact reason why Jesus sat at the table with people like you and me, broken and flawed, imperfect, fellow travelers on the journey of life, Jesus sat at the table with us to make a way back for us so that we could come in from the far country and be home. So if you want to come home like the lost child, if you want to go to that place where bruises and wounds are healed up, place where the tired and the weary and the worn out from life and work can receive rest, 
If you want to go to that place where love abounds no matter what, a place to be understood, even the world misunderstands you. A place to be yourself without pretense. If that's the home you want to come home to, I invite you to take out your hymnal right in front of you and open it to page 12 with me. Go ahead. Friends, Christ our Lord invites to his table all who love him, all who journey on the road wanting to come back home, who earnestly repent of their sin and seek to live in peace with one another. Seek to be at home with God. So therefore, let us confess our sin before God and one another together. Let us pray. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors, and we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. My friends, hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners, while we were in the far country. That proves God's love toward us. In the name of Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast for Centenary United Methodist Church. We hope that you will consider joining us for worship on Sunday mornings at 9 or 11 a.m. Blessings.